Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D., and today I'll be bringing you part two of the case of Maricela Batea Valadez in Dallas, Texas. This is only part two of a three-part miniseries, so if you're one of those people who like to wait and binge them all at once, we'll catch you next week. And if you're not, well, don't worry. There's always a short recap of the previous week at the beginning. With all that said, let's get right to it. On October 2nd of 2020, 23-year-old Maricela Bateo flew from her home in Seattle to Dallas, Texas to visit an old friend. On her last night in Texas, she was out in the Deep Ellum area when she ran into 31-year-old Charles Beltran. Surveillance video caught Maricela walking with Beltran, and then she vanished. Police began looking into Charles Beltran, since he was the last person to be seen with Maricela. And when they did, they learned that Beltran was in a relationship with 57-year-old Lisa Dykes, who was also married to 49-year-old Nina Murano. After Maricela had gone missing, all three had fled the state of Texas. A search warrant of Dykes' home revealed blood matched by DNA to Maricela in the carpet and carpet pad in Beltran's bedroom. And further search warrants revealed that in the early morning hours of October 5th, Maricela's cell phone, along with the three others, were all at Dyke's home on Kensington Drive together. Six months after she vanished, Maricela's remains were found in a desolate area of Post Oak Road, near the Hutchins-slash-Wilmer area in South Dallas, an area where Murano and Dyke's cell phones had pinged on the evening of the 5th of October. At the time Murano and Dyke's phones pinged in that area, Beltran was back in Deep Ellum. After Maricela's body had been found, Murano, Dykes, and Beltran were all charged with capital murder. The search was on, and they were all located within a few days of each other. Beltran was apprehended in South Jordan, Utah, Murano in Miami, and Dykes in Orlando, Florida. All three were extradited back to Texas and later each granted a half a million dollar bond. Beltran couldn't come up with the money to get himself out. But Murano and Dykes did, and were placed on house arrest. That was until Christmas Day of 2021, when they ditched their monitors and went on the run again. Ten entire days later, the court was officially notified that the two women had absconded. But by the time the court was made aware, Lisa Dykes and Nina Murano were already out of the country, starting over in Cambodia. Cambodia is a country in Southeast Asia that borders Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam. And it's a country that doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States, meaning there's no agreement between the two countries to return someone who has committed a crime to their home country. According to court testimony, at around 7.30 in the morning of Christmas Day, both ankle monitors were offline, and Dykes and Murano were at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. 
From Dallas, they flew to Seoul, South Korea, and from Seoul, the pair flew into the capital city of Cambodia, Phnom Penh, and from there, they traveled to Sahanakbul. Back in 2020, it was a sleepy little coastal city where you could go if you wanted to lay low, and that's just what they did, likely thinking they were untouchable and wouldn't be found. The thing is, they had planned this all out. This wasn't some spur-of-the-moment decision to pop a flight to Cambodia. This plan had been in the works since at least September of 2021, when they opened an LLC and applied for visas to visit the country, both under the last name Beltran. I'm going to stick to their last names before they got married and took Charles Beltran's last name, so it doesn't get confusing. But just know Beltran was the name they were both going by at this point. Anyhow, they had applied for this visa under this brand spanking new business called B&B Enterprises. Nina Murano was listed as the brand development director and Lisa Dykes as chief marketing officer. According to business records, the LLC was registered in Dover, Delaware on September 23rd of 2021. The travel visa was approved for 30 days, and in the approval letter, the reason for the visit was listed as market research on Cambodian products. So, there they were in Sahanakbul, Cambodia, living their best life, with a cozy little house on the coast thinking nobody was going to find them, and even if they did, there wouldn't be anything they could do about it. But here's the thing, just because two countries don't have an extradition agreement doesn't mean they can't come to a mutual agreement. The FBI in Dallas quickly learned that the two were in Cambodia, you know, with flight records and all. So they reached out to special agent Kathleen Nichols of the FBI, who was stationed right there in the capital city of Cambodia. Special Agent Nichols worked alongside the Cambodia National Police and tracked Dykes and Murano through bank records to an ATM in Sahanakvul. The manager at the bank provided surveillance video of the two women making withdrawals at an ATM and went a step further. Zooming out, the manager was also able to get the tag number of the red Toyota SUV they were riding in, which came back to a taxi driver. The taxi driver described the house he had picked the women up from and told police how to get there. It was February 25th, 2022. Dykes and Murano's visas were actually expiring the next day, so with the approval of local authorities, Agent Nichols and her team assembled themselves outside the house. The local police instructed them to step outside for an immigration check. Nina emerged first, followed by Lisa. As they were being placed in cuffs, Lisa Dykes looked at Special Agent Nichols and asked, What jurisdiction do you have here? The special agent later testified that she was taken aback by the comment. What jurisdiction did she have? It's the feds, man, and at this point she was wanted on capital murder. Pretty sure they had all the jurisdiction they needed. International arrests are a little different. And after Dykes and Murano were secured, they were walked through the house to point out the things that belonged to them. The CNP was going to be sure that when they were deported, they brought their shit with them. And of course, it would be used by American officials as evidence. Two suitcases of clothes, multiple phones, computers, laptops, thumb drives, binders with documents, and roughly $6,000 in cash was seized by Cambodian police. 
Officials in Cambodia deported the two women, but held them until FBI agents from Dallas came to pick them up and take them back to Texas. There was a delay, because both women tested positive for COVID-19. But before long, their international dreams were over, and they were behind bars back in Dallas where they sat for the next few months. Incredibly, on June 1st, 2020, four months after they fled from justice, State District Judge Amber Givens set their bond at $4 million each. Thankfully, neither of them were able to come up with the cash, so they remained in jail until trial. But the fact that they were given another bond after they fled to Cambodia is asinine, if you ask me. But what do I know? At this point, Charles Beltran, Lisa Dykes, and Nina Murano were all finally in jail. It seemed as if justice for Maricela was just around the corner. Beltran, Dykes, and Murano all pled not guilty. Now, we all know that the wheels of justice turn slow, but at least they were finally turning. Nina Murano's trial was scheduled first. It was January 23, 2023, and jury selection was set to begin, but everything came to a grinding halt when attorneys for Murano asked for a delay. The reason? Jury selection was set to begin that Monday, the 23rd, but over the weekend, lead detective Christine Ramirez handed over a flash drive to prosecutor Robin Pittman, which contained over 300 images, audio recordings, and body cam footage related to the case that had not been turned over by Dallas police previously. And further, the Dallas Express reported that after Robin Pittman became aware of the flash drive, she looked deeper into the issue and found more pictures and recordings DPD had not turned over to the DA's office. And as they stood there in the courtroom that Monday morning, there was still evidence the Dallas Police Department had not yet turned over. It would later be found that 18 videos related to Maricela's case had been deleted. Judge Amber Givens was furious, as well she should have been. Potential jurors, Maricela's family members, and everyone else was literally waiting just outside in the hallway for this trial to begin. And evidence was just now being turned over, and there was more evidence just out there floating around somewhere. Judge Givens stated, I take issue with both the police department and the state for that reason. We have Mrs. Murano cloaked in the presumption of innocence and a family that is waiting on a trial and jurors in the hallway and this could have been resolved sooner. Needless to say, Judge Givens ruled in favor of delaying the trial. As it turned out, evidence wasn't only missing in Maricela's case. In fact, weeks prior, this very same judge had accused the Dallas County District Attorney's Office of frequently failing to turn over evidence to defense lawyers during a hearing. At that hearing, Judge Givens went on to list five cases since 2017 that had been impacted because lawyers discovered late in the adjudication process that area police departments hadn't turned over all their evidence. The judge stated that she had scheduled so many trials that week but was unable to proceed on, quote, probably 99% of them because of a discovery issue. She went on to say it wouldn't be alarming if it wasn't so widespread. And as it turned out a month to this hearing, Judge Givens had already presented a solution to ensure that this wouldn't keep happening. 
Givens had instructed prosecutors to regularly fill out forms stating they'd met with police and certified that all evidence had been obtained in their cases. Seems pretty simple, right? However, District Attorney John Cruzot had instructed his prosecutors not to fill out those forms and argued in a motion that those forms went beyond what the law requires of prosecutors and they just weren't going to do it. Judge Givens fired back, stating, The form wasn't to punish anyone. It was to make sure we don't have people that are accused of offenses sitting in jail because the police department hasn't turned over all the evidence, or for that matter, the state hasn't fully inquired. And so we don't have victims that are waiting because they deserve their day as well. But it appears the district attorney's office did little to remedy the situation, since a month later Nina Morano's case was delayed for this very reason. The Dallas Police Department had failed to turn over evidence, and in turn, prosecutors had not provided Morano's defense counsel with all of their discovery. With all of this missing evidence, NBC Dallas-Fort Worth reported that the Dallas Police had opened an audit into every pending murder and capital murder case. In total, 450 homicide cases were going to be reviewed. And at the time of this recording, 113 of those cases with upcoming trials have been reviewed. And Dallas police officials have announced that 572 video files were deleted in those cases. The department didn't reveal any further details about the deleted files only stating that they don't believe any deleted video footage, quote, proved to be material to any case. Because of course they're going to say that. I normally try to leave my personal opinions out of this, but having had experience with the Dallas Police Department on the cases of Taylor Gruwell and Mercedes Clement, and due to what ends up happening in Maricela's case, I'll tell you that I don't buy that one bit. Folks in Dallas, Texas should pay very close attention to what is going on at DPD because it sure ain't nothing good. I know there are some incredible detectives out there in Texas who do their job with the utmost integrity and professionalism. I know because I've gotten to know a couple of them, but they don't work for DPD, and I'll just leave it at that. You can decide for yourself whether 572 files being deleted on 113 homicide cases is material to seeking justice. But before I move on, on the rare chance that you're listening to this and you just so happen to be a detective at the Dallas Police Department with integrity and a passion for justice, please hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, send a smoke signal, I don't care. Find me because I have a case for you and a family that desperately needs justice. I know y'all exist out there somewhere, I'm just having one hell of a time trying to find you. Anyhow, with all that being said, there are still hundreds if not thousands of cases that should be reviewed, but it's unclear if and when those reviews will take place. Nina Murano's case was delayed. While Maricela's family was disappointed, her mother Ernestina spoke to WFAA and stated, it doesn't matter how long we have to wait or how many times we have to come here. What we want is justice. But justice would be delayed again, because after Judge Amber Givens presided over a four-day discovery hearing to determine what of the missing evidence could be admitted at trial, prosecutors alleged that Judge Givens had shown a bias against them and requested that she be taken off of the trials of all three defendants. 
Chief of the Appellate Division of the Dallas County District Attorney's Office, Jennifer Ballado, spoke to NBC Dallas-Fort Worth and said about Judge Givens. To quote her, her being Judge Givens, she said she, she being the prosecutor, was lackadaisical when it came to discovery in this case. Even when we showed her time and time again that ever since the case got filed, we've been asking DPD for phone dumps, for videos, for things like that. Ever since they filed the case, we weren't getting very much of a response. The state wanted Givens off the cases, and a judge from out of town was brought in to make a decision. As it turned out, Judge Amber Givens had issues far beyond that. In a stunning twist of events, Givens herself was at the time, according to the Texas Observer, under investigation by the Texas Rangers and in the middle of a judicial misconduct inquiry. According to affidavits obtained by the outlet, it all stemmed from a bond hearing in the summer of 2021. Because of the pandemic back then, court was still being done over Zoom. So before the meeting, Givens asked her court coordinator to log into her account and announce that she would be participating over speakerphone. The live Zoom video from Givens was cut off, but the judge's photo and name was still displayed on the screen. But Givens was not the one speaking. It was her court coordinator. This confused at least one of the attorneys, and several times the defendant referred to the court coordinator as your honor, seemingly believing he was speaking to the actual judge. And at one point, the court coordinator asked the court reporter to go on the record, which is something the judge would normally say. The coordinator would later claim that it was a joke, and while some in the meeting understood it as that, others didn't. This led leaders of the Dallas Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, or DCDLA, which represents more than 600 lawyers, to file a formal complaint against Givens with the State Commission on Judicial Conduct, alleging that Givens had instructed her court coordinator to impersonate her. These accusations made their way to the Public Integrity Unit of the Texas Rangers, who launched that investigation. This wasn't the first time Givens had faced scrutiny from the DCDLA. Three previous complaints had been filed concerning the judge's behavior towards attorneys and how she streamed hearings on Facebook. Judge Givens fired back and filed a 202 petition against the Dallas County Defense Lawyers Association for defamation. According to the South Texas College of Law, Rule 202 allows a person to submit a verified petition for the court to take depositions, for use in an anticipated lawsuit, or to investigate if a lawsuit should be filed. Givens' 202 lawsuit was later dismissed by a judge, but its filing opened the floodgates, and in July of 2022, WFAA reported that 13 lawyers filed a combined 50 motions for Givens to be removed from their cases, claiming Givens had a record of bias. Former District Judge Scott Becker spoke to the outlet and said, It's unprecedented. I have not heard of any judge facing that many recusals in their entire judicial careers, let alone at one time. Judge Givens voluntarily recused herself from most of the cases, and rulings were made on the others by an out-of-town judge. When it was all over, about 100 cases had to be reassigned to other judges. 
when the investigation by the Rangers into the Zoom bond hearing was said and done. According to the Rangers report, which was obtained by the Texas Observer, they found that Givens participated in the 29-minute hearing for eight seconds at most. And witnesses told the Rangers that the defendant referred to Givens' court coordinator as judge or your honor without being corrected. Though Judge Givens claimed she was participating in the hearing via speakerphone, during most of the hearing, the investigation found that the judge was actually on the phone with GM Financial and Geico Insurance, and that once when her court coordinator tried to reach her, the judge let the call go to voicemail. According to the report, the judge's Cadillac SUV had been repossessed that same morning. So it appears that while she was supposed to be in court presiding over a bond hearing, she was on the phone trying to figure that out. You really can't make this shit up. Despite the findings, no criminal charges were filed by the district attorney's office. And as of this recording, Amber Givens is still the 282nd judicial court judge for Dallas County. But she wouldn't be presiding over the trial of Nina Murado, Charles Beltran, or Lisa Dykes. Because in March of 2023, the prosecution's motion to remove Givens was granted by a visiting judge. This, of course, would delay things even further. And Nina Murano would no longer be the first one facing murder charges in a courtroom. Her wife, Lisa Joe Dykes, was gonna be up first. Whether or not the overturning of hundreds of pieces of potential evidence in this case had anything to do with what was coming next, I'll let you decide. But going into Dykes' trial, Murano, Beltran, and Dykes were all facing a murder charge. When the dust settled, only one of the three would still be facing a murder charge, and one would be turned state's witness. But it wasn't who you might suspect. Charles Beltran, the wannabe rapper and convicted felon, was now set to testify for the prosecution, and he was ready to point the finger at his 57-year-old paralegal sugar mama. So you're asleep. Tell me what happens next. I wake up to her screaming, saying, help me, help me. And I, I look up and it's just from all the movement going on in the bed. That's when I wake up and I see Lisa on top of her. What is she doing? She's like with the knife coming down like this. And once I lose the knife, that's when I push Lisa off of her. What happens when you push Lisa off of her? I mean, I, I, just my reaction was just to push her, and I pushed her hard, and her and Maricela, like, tumble over and fall towards the, where the window is at right there. They fall towards the end of the bed. Right like, here? Yes, ma'am. But, like, towards more, more towards the corner. This way? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And what happens then? Uh, Lisa still got a hold of her. As I get up, I'm still trying to process what the hell is going on. I see Lisa still grabbing her. I, I jump over the bed and as I come over to the bed, I'm trying to pry Lisa off of her, pull her apart. And um, Lisa got to like her hair or something to where she can't, she's trying to like get off of her and I'm trying to pry, pry them apart. You know how, it's like, if, if 
you hold something and somebody's trying to pull and you let, let it go. Yeah. Like she, uh, Marcella just ends up, as, as I'm pulling them off, it's like Lisa just kind of like let go and she just tumbles over. She tumbles over and she falls on the bed. I mean, I look, that's why I look, I look behind me. She falls on the bed and I, I look towards Lisa and I grab Lisa and I pin her to the wall and I'm like, what the F is, what the F are you doing, you know? And she's like, I told you not to bring any more girls over here. What else did she say? She's like, I'm just getting, I'm getting tired of this. And you can quote, if you need to say a curse word quote, you can, I want you to quote and tell this jury exactly what you remember Lisa saying to you. She just, she just said that I told you not to bring any more girls over here. Why are you disrespecting us? I do everything for you. And she was just like, you need to get your little... Say it. Your little bitch and I need to leave, the, leave now. I need to leave. And what were you doing? What were you saying? I, I was just like, that's all you had to fucking say, you know? Excuse my French. That's all right. You're making me... What did you say to her? That's what I said. I said that's all you had to fucking say, you know. And as I, I turn out, as I turn around, I'm, I'm fixing to tell Marcella like, "Let's go," and she's just, she's just there, just there, just lifeless, like gone. Just blood, uh, blood all over her. Like I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Beltran claimed that Lisa Dykes stabbed Maricela in a jealous rage. But when Dykes took the stand in her own defense, she claimed there was nothing to be jealous of, because to her, Beltran was nothing more than an investment. For um, workers to work at poll, an election poll, for a local judge here in the civil divisions. And I needed, I think, 15 people under a certain age and demographic bracket to work this poll. So Kyle introduced me to several of the young men that are in the area and young women, and I got their phone numbers, they got my phone number to work this situation. Okay. Uh, how did you end up investing in Rapper? I'm sorry? How did you end up investing in uh, <coughs> Chuck's Rapper? Um, I met him in April. He reached out to me at some point, and he reached out to me to make connection. And it was primarily for someone to fund him in his career choices. Um, he, he actually talked to me from April on through the time whenever I moved the children out of the house in August. But he presented himself well. He also had had a fairly successful career in Austin, not like what you heard here that was played. It was actually something where he was invited to a couple of locations and he was working with other people in his career. So perhaps they were the more talented aspect, but he had a more successful kind of career choice. But were you, you know, initially, again, was it a love interest thing? No, Chuck was and continued to always be a business interest that went sideways. Um. In fact, uh, was the why did you buy the car? I bought the car as an investment um, and a tax deduction, basically. 
for him in his career. I set up a company for him called Math Class. That was his company for him to be able to do his music and to record. Who would the jury believe? I'd love to give you the answer to that question, but unfortunately, we're running out of time for this week. I really hate to leave y'all hanging like that, but the trial of Lisa Dykes and Maricela's family's path to justice is something that I just can't rush through. Be sure to join me next week, same time, same place, for the conclusion of Maricela's case. And hit that subscribe or follow button if you haven't already so you don't miss it. In the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these podcasts. And if you're sick of ad interruptions, I've got good news for you. You can get all your episodes ad free just the way you like them for just $2 a month. And as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Head on over to patreon.com slash least of these to support the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.